Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. My name is Howell, this is Jamie. Yo! And this is Matthew Wandless. Uh, excellent quality from Matthew Wonders tonight uh, doing the show down AirPods, which are over the counter Apple devices that you can buy instead of buying a cheap ass but expensive microphone from Amazon, which is what I'm using. Um, I on... can't believe this is the third time we've started the podcast mm-hmm. and you still insist on mentioning my AirPods in well, the first 30 seconds. Okay. I feel like I'm being branded as some kind of ostentatious little Apple twat. Tonight on the podcast, we're going to discuss a number of things. A couple of them will be spoiled, uh, but most of them won't, and we'll warn you before. We've got Unbelievable, Walking Dead, Succession, QB1, South Park, Rick and Morty, Goliath, Good Girls, and uh, I've just finished Mad Men for the second time in my life. God, that wow. series is good. Oh my God, it's even better now than it was the first time round. It's uh, it's incredible how that thing has stood up. It's amazing. If you've never watched Mad Men, just get the heck on it. So good. Um, now, I would be very interested to watch Mad Men again because it's one mm. of the one of the great modern series yeah. that mm. I watched je- like absolutely as it came out. Yes, because I I got into it really really soon after it started. Oh, did you? I can't remember who put me onto it, but it was like I was there right right from the start. Well, and I, I... so I had to wait for ages between mm. some of it. I think like if yeah. I remember four and five had a really big gap between them. Right. Right. Well, it's it's got such um, it, it's got far more relevance now than it did when it was released. When it was released, there wasn't the, um, the popular debates and activism around things like sexism in the workplace. And this thing is kind of about that from the off. One of our main two characters, Peggy Olsen, embodies the plight of a woman trying to survive in a man's world, and it's incredible. And uh, Jamie pointed out recently, some of the best scenes you'll ever see on TV are between Peggy Olsen and Don Draper, and they really are phenomenally well-written scenes, least of all because Don Draper rarely shares information about himself, but when he's in scenes with Peggy, he's like 100% honest more so than with any other character um, and it I, I couldn't, I, honestly I can't tell you how much I find that series more on the button in terms of all of those issues but in a way that is not preachy or um, hacky and yet it was written before everybody, all writers felt like they had to mention those things you know it's yeah. so good. And Matt, I was the same as you. I watched it as it came out originally, and I went back and watched it again when it originally came on Netflix. And it is brilliant. It's brilliant watching it again when you're just, just binging it and just being able to watch episode after episode mm. and really enjoy and invest in, in the world. It's so well realized, so brilliantly performed. Like You think about John Hamm. I was, I was, I was just doing an interview with John Hamm, and he was such a out, out of... You know, it's such a left field choice, really, for that yeah. role. He wasn't a big star, mm. and they waited for a year 
almost to try and get a big star. And he was the one who was nailing. Matthew Weiner wanted him, but all the big execs wanted someone bigger. Mm-hmm. And he they held they held the nerve. And a year later, after they made the pilot, the show continued with him in the main role. And so good, so glad it did. Cause he's so enigmatic in that performance. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, yeah. speaking of John Hamm, have you watched Between Two Ferns, the movie yes. on Netflix? Have you seen the outtakes? The scene, where, <laughs> the bit where Zach Galifianakis says, uh, oh, the Don Draper suit yeah. is right in the Smithsonian <laughs> Museum right next to Bill Cosby's sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like... It's an outtake it's, at the end, and the yeah. way jo- John Hamm laughs with like a, a guttural response. Yeah. <laughs> What's great is also like we. I always wondered how much how much laughing they did in in, in those yes, interviews. Yeah. You always wondered, and to see like Zach Galifianakis really struggle to make it through some of those questions. Yeah, was really like, that was the best bit. Of the, the film's really good, but the it's outtakes. Okay, the end, but the outtakes are just make it yeah. all worthwhile. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Film. I don't. I, I kind of don't get that show. Oh, really? What is it? Not really work for me? Yeah. Why? What? Well, I, I don't. I don't find it amusing. Oh. oh wow! Um, well, it's the it... no, or at least like maybe I've seen one or two bits of it that I find really funny, but the rest of it, it's just I don't know. There's something about that. I don't know. No, no, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I just thought doesn't tickle me. Um, he, he explains in a. Uh, I watched a, him and David Letterman on my next guest with David Letterman uh, talking about that show and how the concept of it was essentially if you're going to poke fun at anyone, there's no one better to poke fun at than privileged Hollywood A-listers and um, there's this there's what another of the outtakes I'm going to try and get the question right he says to Matthew McConaughey <laughs> another one you're going to when, say when when you and Woody Harrelson are in a <laughs> yeah. scene together are yeah. you concerned that there is a there is a sack somewhere that is not being hackied <laughs> 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 I mean, oh man! But hang on, hang on a sec. Sorry. Yeah. The people who are in it yeah. know what's going on, right? They don't know what the questions are going to be. They know uh, that the idea is that he's going to ask them the most uh, rude questions. He also yeah, says, but it's not like a kind of Dennis Penis thing where he's no, um, no, no, they, right. no. They know. So it's just about them trying to keep a straight face. Exactly, basically. exactly. And yeah. also, he doesn't write the questions, and you almost get the sense that he hasn't read the questions before. Um, and oh, he's, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. delivering them. Another one is, a uh, final one, Brie Larson, says to Brie Larson, um, you are known to walk out of interviews when personal questions are asked. This is a, <laughs> a two-party. A, is that true? And B, what age were you when you first got your period? <laughs> <laughs> well... It's it's directed and written by uh, Scott Scott Ackerman, and if, Ackerman. he's he's a really funny guy. Like he has a podcast uh, called Comedy Bang Bang, oh. uh, which was also a TV show that was on Netflix. And it, there's some really funny episodes of his of his podcast in which him and a number of comedians, sometimes that Galifianakis or or the cast of um, sometimes the cast of the Silicon Valley cast will turn up. They all do like they improvise different like just come up with characters and improvise different like conversations and it's really funny like sometimes it doesn't work but when it works it's brilliant so it's it's really worth a listen 
Well, there we go. That's Between Two Ferns and Madman dealt with. Now, Unbelievable, to take a swerve, Unbelievable is uh, has been on many people's lips recently because uh, it's an incredibly powerful uh, multi-episode documentary um, about the true story of um, a search for a serial rapist in America. Um, Matt, you haven't watched this? No. Okay, Jamie, you have. Yeah, but not finished it. Oh, right. Oh, is that yeah. is that because you're going slow, or have you just started it? Well, we started it. We started it, watched episode one, found it incredibly grim, and knowing it was a true story made it even harder to watch, you know, mm. that first episode. Mm. And we so we stopped. So we did. We watched episode one, we were like, oh, I can't do this. Mm. And then we went back a week later, and it changes gear a bit from episode two, doesn't it? Merit it does Weaver kind of makes an entrance. And Mary Weaver and Tony Collette as detectives, and the, the investigation then kind of takes place into what's really happening. And then it gets really good, like it starts to get really good from that point on. So we're about halfway through. I'm not really, going to. Who's Mary uh, Weaver again? Is you know, that you love her. Um, I, I do. I'm she trying to was the from. lesbian Nurse doctor Jackie. in Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She is a good example in this. Of the, the, it's called Unbelievable, and you out loud say a number of times that is unbelievable about things that happen. Um, throughout it and what is what I find also unbelievable is that there is a cast of particularly female actors in this that um, it's unbelievable that we haven't seen more of them and Merritt Weaver we've we've seen lots of Merritt Weaver but she is phenomenal in this it she is just brilliant and the other female actors in it as well are um, equally it's just such a strong cast can you set it up again for me? I didn't really catch what it was. Well, the the setup is it's a true story about the search for a serial rapist, and the premise in the first episode really is that a girl who's in care, a foster child, um, says that she's been raped, and the premise of this whole thing is that essentially she is not believed, and the implications of that. Oh right, okay. Um, and and then. Merrick Weaver's character and a number of other characters are in kind of further away, either in that state or in another state, I'm not sure, but far away. And they're the kind of d- detectives who are um, finding other cases that are similar. So the long and short of it is that right at the beginning, you kind of know that at some point these two detectives are going to figure out that she was telling the truth. But in the system as it's currently set up, how is that um, oh. possible? Um, and and it is unbelievable, and it's excellent. And if you haven't seen it, you must. It's really good. You know, I don't particularly like bleak stuff that goes on too long and things. But it, it's um, yeah. After you get through the the difficulty of well, knowing... unless it's about gruesome crime, it seems. No, no, just just unless it's it's written well. So <laughs> this incre- sounds like Mindhunter with rapists. Jamie's correct. This is um, it's really difficult to watch, but it's not too slow. It's just difficult to watch because you know it's true. Yeah, if you get past the first episode, is especially hard to watch. Because Isn't that the watch... case with Mindhunter as well? Though, sorry. Uh, no, sorry uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I find that a bit easier to watch because 
So just... that's what you like. You like for dramatizations of true gruesome crime to take their sweet time. <laughs> well, I think the, I think the difference with this is that uh, the reason the first episode is so difficult is there's a lot about the rape itself, whereas in Mindhunter you tend to be talking about things after the fact, don't you, and not experiencing right. the stuff. Um, so that that would say uh, I would say is the difference. But yes, yes, I do like crime stuff. Um, Walking Dead's back. I've missed out on. I haven't even realised it's back. And the sad thing is, even though I enjoyed the last section that we watched, um, it, it it didn't. Knowing that knowing that he's not in it, knowing that Andrew Lincoln isn't in it, it doesn't it doesn't drag me back there. Jamie, you're the only one who started watching it. Mm, yeah, episode one of season ten, lines we cross, um, a, a long one, sort of just over an hour. Right. And it's I won't give it I won't talk too much about the plot, but it doesn't go very far, let's just say. <laughs> it kind of covers an event uh, that happens, which is essentially it's not, not a massive deal, but and then it goes back in time to the different parts of the of the of the of the group uh, and covers their story up to this event. Um, so it's quite low on plot in that way. There's not a lot that's happening. And you just kind of get into grips again with the characters and where they are, and and a, and a bit more with the geography of, because that's been the harder thing I think with the last few series is that they're more spread out now. They've got these different places, and you're trying to work out who's where and who's in control of what. So a lot of this episode yeah, felt it's like difficult they were just, to get a sense of scale, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what they've been trying to deal with with this for episode one of season ten is like. Oh, this is this place. This is where Daryl is. Oh, look, they're over here. There's Michonne. And it's kind of trying to put all that the pieces together before things kick off again. Because it, it kind of leaves... The, the end of the episode ends with, okay, I'm the shit's going to come around the corner very soon. So, it sort um, of reminds me of the Star Wars problem of, like, um, when, you, when a franchise or when a thing becomes so big, you end up with so many different things going on and, yeah. and you feel I mean, like you have to spin all the plates when actually it'd be nice to just go back to a sort of linear plot. It does, fe- it does feel to me, when I'm watching it, like I'm watching a show that should have ended two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I do feel a little bit like these characters that I, I loved for a while, I'm starting to not really kind of care as much or I'm, I'm at least a, I'm a little bit like indifferent towards them now whereas I really cared about their journey for a long time and so that's kind of it's like it's like a weird feeling to be like oh we're still here mm. they're still alive do we know when the um, Andrew Lincoln films are going to be out no I don't know much about that I don't know what's going on with that I mean mm. I I wonder I'll, if I'll definitely be on them like a bonnet yeah, and, like a and, bonnet. <laughs> on it like a bonnet. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to do. I mean, there is talk of of it of it wrapping up, isn't it? I've heard that there is talk of it finally might be ending at some point. Oh wow! Well, well I, I do think that they've missed a trick in the last couple of seasons by sort of staying in the same territory, not only geographically but kind of thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that I like, if it doesn't move away from the kind of uh, outsiders encroachment, that kind of thing, I think they need to find something uh, totally on a different scale. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I want to see. I, I, I want 
you know, I don't know how many years we're into the actual narrative now, but I want to see someone going back into a city. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm, I know it's like tremendously physically difficult to do. Yeah, I want to mm. see Vegas with zombies or something. Great idea. Great idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, get mm. a hotel. Yeah. I mean, I think it looks like uh, the Andrew Lincoln stuff is going to be outside of the cordon in some way or in in another world. I mean, if the entire thing doesn't wrap up with Andrew Lincoln in a helicopter pulling Daryl up into the helicopter to take him out of the mess and kiss him passionately, maybe having sex (laughs) in the helicopter, wouldn't that be a brilliant end to the entire thing? Rick and Daryl finally getting it on. I would mean, be an odd way for it to go. It'd be yeah. an one. Can you imagine if a TV series, though, once it had made its money, it decided it would go out like that and just leave it? Just start trolling going, the audience. Huh? Bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Succession. Matt is uh, now at the end of series one. Have you got on to series two yet? Yeah, I'm about halfway through series two. But right. um, I wanted to, and yeah, let's just say right now hello, spoilers. I'm going to talk about anything and anything. Anything and everything in series one. And seriously, I mean, I know that you might love this podcast and want to listen to our voices some more. But if you have not yet watched Succession, it is yeah, available. yeah, don't listen. Uh, it's on Now TV and Sky Atlantic and all that. Um, it really is an excellent TV series. You don't want us to ruin it for you. So that said, no. switch off now, Matthew. Take it away. Yeah, I just, I, I just want for those people who are out there and have seen it and are interested. I just want to talk about how utterly fantastic this show is. Oh, I know, yeah. um, like when, when we spoke about it last, I think I'd watched maybe two or three episodes, mm-hmm. and now, oh God, I, I can't remember anything this good. Uh, so now time. you've witnessed the um, jizz in the mouth episode. <laughs> oh, I, I swallowed my own lung. The end of <laughs> it was it was so hot. It that was, the end of that episode was it, it hot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is brilliant, Matthew. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, he's so good. He's Sarah's favourite character. And the end of that episode, and they're all stood there in silhouette at the end of a stag do, which we've all experienced, the, the letdown of a, of a night out, and gradually he tells everyone that he swallowed his own jizz, and um, and that becomes worse and worse news the more people he tells. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> But then also when when they finally get home and stuff, he, he uh, Shiv goes to kiss him on the lips. Yes, and he oh. just does this amazing little kind of head fake, like oh I shouldn't, but oh okay I, I will. <laughs> it's just you can you can see the thought process so clearly in his movements. It's absolutely wonderful. But the uh, so the the climax of the first series, there was a point in there where I was worried because. Like when Kendall drove the the car off the bridge, mm. I was like, oh, "Oh well, that's disappointing." Yes, I um, agree. Big, because it felt like, "Oh, this is just another way for his ship to come off the the rails." Yeah. But then the way they brought it back, like mm. the fact that um, uh, the kid Alec. died in there. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's that horrible moment in series two where they reveal to you that the kid was, you know, he would have. Been, been alive and he he, he undid his belt yeah. and stuff. He tried to get out, but he couldn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then that scene where Kendall's brought in to the big drawer 
from the next morning and Logan's there mm. and Marsha and Jerry and the security guy and they just kind of lay it out in front of him. Yeah. It's just and so when he breaks f- down on the sofa and, and, and Logan stands over him and says, give me a hug, son. And yeah. opens his arms for the first time. It's like the first gesture of... Um, of fatherliness and yet the whole it's series. still the most evil move that he's made exactly it's, it's also it's the, the most lovely and at the same time the worst thing that he's done <laughs> yeah. yeah i've got you it's i've got you isn't it and uh, the the way that series two then progresses and the, there's a uh how many episodes in are you matt four or five i've we've just had um bore on the floor have you? <laughs> oh my god, that's an amazing episode. Yeah. yeah, it's like if you could live a life that involved that much money, how much would you put up with? Is what that scene is, isn't it? Yeah. They all on their face know that this is horrendous and beneath them and awful and humiliating, but they take it, and it, <laughs> and you hate them for it whilst also feeling sorry for. What? Them. It's so good in it. The morning after as well, where they're all having the buffet breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Is that awkward? Oh, yeah, that woman goes over and says, sausage. So, Matt, have you got... There is a conversation between Shiv and Kendall that's really quite lovely. Have you got to that? I think I've just had that. I think I've just had that. And it made me cry. Uh, There's a line where he just says, I don't know... I don't know what I'm Yeah, if I didn't... He says, "Take care, please take care of me." Because yeah. if oh, I didn't yeah. do this, I don't know what I'd be. Yeah, what yeah I don't I, know what, what I'm for. Or I think yeah. it is, and it's just oh my heartbreaking. God, it it those moments where me. because the whole series spends so much time dealing with people's armor and their yeah, and they're all battering each other all the time, mm. and no one ever like those in the couple of episodes after the wedding when. Kendall is utterly broken in front of his siblings. Mm. They're just like, what the fuck is happening? Who yeah. are you? What are you doing? Fight, <laughs> yeah. fight back. I remember Roman at one point says, fight back. Yes. Fuck you, fight back. Yeah. And he's just, you can see that he's spent, completely spent. And But now he's sort of come back and he's like sort of Terminator cyborg Kendall without any kind of emotion whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, like that whole stuff with Volta, the way he just guts that company. Yeah, yeah, that's all. He knows where he stands now. He's just an animatron for his father until his father wants to kill him. That's that's right. And uh, but then and those moments where they peel it back even slightly, it's just like everything floods out, and it's so superb. I can't believe how good it is. Drama, drama wise, I I have to say that I didn't. I didn't get over the disappointment quite as well as you did, I think, in terms of the car crash. I'm still a little bit annoyed that, like I always say, that they didn't take the hardest choice. And the hardest choice would have been to let Kendall win and then have to deal with that. Um, instead, we have to do this, or the it is a sitcom ultimately. The, the, you know, you have to yeah. keep him in charge. You have to keep Logan in charge. Whereas I mean, they, actually, I, th- I think I agree with you. Yeah, and, it would and be so, interesting to yeah. see the other side of it. Yeah. yeah, because you do because he did kind of deserve it, and you did want. It, it feels like prolonging the the same conversation. But that said, it is phenomenally well written, and the jokes are still hilarious. And this is where I think you know it's the same creator as um, from Elmsmere Port, Jesse Thingy. Yeah, um, 
they still manage to do the comedy so well, but those touching moments are so deep. The drama stuff is yeah. as good as any drama we've discussed on this show. That's that's the that's the uh, yeah that's the, it's, it's brilliant appeal. Anyway, let's move on to QB One, which I've not heard of. Matt's watching QB One. Have you seen this, Jamie? No, I've been tempted by it, and I'd like to know what if is it's it. Good. What is it? Well. Strange um, title. I, I was trying to think um, whether we, because I remember we did discuss Friday Night Lights on an episode once. Yeah, but mm. I couldn't remember if uh, either of you were actively involved in that, or whether you'd seen it or liked it. Or anything. I watched a few and didn't go back, but I did really like it. But is this another sports one? Is it? Well, yes, yes, and no. So it's by the same uh, makers of Friday Night Lights, but this is uh, reality TV essentially. Um, this is a this is a documentary that follows um, three uh, promising to different levels high school quarterbacks. Um, hence, QB one is uh, quarterback number one, um, and they're all in their senior year of high school. And it's so it's it's Friday Night Lights for real. It's called QB one Beyond the Lights, right? And uh, it's you know there's a lot of sports documentaries around these days yeah the um, most recent one that you raved about was the the formula 1 one obviously how does this stack up which i loved but obviously very different types of things formula 1 is like it has it has a similar turnover to the gdp of some small countries yeah um and but the thing i love about friday night lights and the thing i love about qb1 is that high school football is children playing sport? Yeah, these are mm. these are fucking children playing a game, mm. but it is watched. It is televised across America. It's crazy. They, isn't it? they play in front of crowds of up to ten thousand people sometimes, mm. and it, I, I can't believe what happens in this game. Like you, you and I can't yeah. believe what the life of these kids is like. Yeah. Um, it's and a it's far cry from lads v dads, which would be our equivalent. Well, I, I remember I'd get nervous playing in front of our, just a bunch of like twenty parents on the yeah. sidelines <laughs> when yeah. you're playing on you know Sunday league games or school games. It's ridiculous, yeah, the isn't other it? Thing think... is, these kids are built like brick shit houses. I mean, they oh my god, you would guess they're thirty, wouldn't you? Honestly, some of these kids' faces, particularly the ones if they've grown out their hair or something like that. There, there, there are a couple who you see in a, in a few shots in this, and it's like that kid is twenty eight years old, yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he is yeah. sixteen. It's insane, but um, no, it's it's just because um, like obviously there are kids in schools around this country who are playing, uh, you know, elite level football. You know, there, there, there are kids who are sixteen. There's a sixteen year old playing for Barcelona's first team at the moment. Mm, he has to go yeah. to school the next day. Um, and uh, the same is true of of, of any number of kids uh, around England as well. But because um, that is an exterior activity, it's not rolled into the the school curriculum. Whereas this is like it's by the schools. The schools do it all, and then the colleges do it all, and then they pass them on to the pros. So the the factory starts so early, and I I just. Like when I look at these 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 lads in in this series, 
like one of them there's there's a point where one of them suffers an injury um and they're all in their final year of high school so they're going to go on and play college ball next year which is pretty much when they when their careers get decided but they've already spent three years being groomed to be leaders to be athletes and to worship this game like a, a, a quarterback in particular because they have to be um they have to be the figurehead of the team. It's very rare that it's built around another position, mm. or at least they're, they're the one who's got to read the game at the line, and they can make calls at the line and change what the strategy is right there. Mm, right. Um, the pressure on these kids is is just nuts. It's absolutely crazy. They're sitting there, and I, I love watching their relationships with their families, and and how supportive the parents are. Um, and how the parents like there's the, in, I'm in the second series now and there's this kid playing somewhere in uh, California who by the way might be the most uh, handsome like t- you know technically handsome man I've ever seen this boy I don't know how old he is but it's just like whoa you have been like designed <laughs> this is weird he looks so perfect but uh like him and his mum will sit there going through that they, they they watch his the game he played the night before together for two hours like in the morning i i don't know wow. i i, I I've, I've said enough it, i think it's fantastic i really like it it's right. really well made and it's fascinating oh that's good yeah Good, good. Matt's made a few recommendations recently that he's been lukewarm about in his conclusion, so that sounds fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I kind of hate it as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to give a quick mention to South Park. Two things. I think I've mentioned it before. On Now TV or on Sky, wherever you get your stuff, there is a documentary called, I think it's called Five Days to south park or something like that if you search south park you'll find it it's a documentary following matt stone and trey parker trying to uh, and how they make an episode they make it like no other animation animations take months to make they do it in five days and it is incredible it's brilliant um and i mentioned that because uh, i revisited it uh, having netflix just uh, taken on some of the best south park episodes ever um, and I've just watched uh, the second to last series. There's a current one going out. Today the news has broken that China have banned South Park. They've deleted everything related to South Park. So no one in China can watch it because South Park took them on about human rights and stuff. <laughs> That's happened well, today. Yeah, well, that China have also done the same thing to the NBA basketball because wow. someone, a big owner in NBA basketball called out the Hong Kong situation. Incredible. So they've they've completely banned basketball is massive in China, and they've completely cut ties with the NBA. They're, they're going hardball on everybody at the moment. Also, recently, um, uh, I think it was it was either Lyon or Lille uh, in the French Ligue 1 had a match rescheduled so that it could be shown on Chinese television. Wow. And um, when the fans heard about that, they organised a mass. Um, protest about Tibet, not Hong Kong. Wow! wow. <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the crowd, so they, wow. there was basically it was on every single camera. <laughs> Amazing! This uh, the second to last series is was the one that was going out when Clinton and um, Trump were going up against each other, and the it's unusual because they're not self-contained episodes. The whole series is a kind of long plot, which is 
just gets better and better for me. And Mr. Garrison is actually the person running for president, but he's made certain changes like fake tan and a wig that makes him exactly Donald Trump. And um, and it's just brilliant. I think they're the finest satirists of our time, and I think they'll be they'll be looked back at that with twenty one series of of really getting to the core of hypocrisy in certainly in you know pop culture, but in politics and. Uh, and and the the Trump the Trump Hillary stuff is so on the nose. When you think that they would they were releasing it when it was going on, there's a line in one of them where someone looks at the camera and says, "I think we'll find that Twitter has a lot more to do with this than we thought." This is <laughs> when it, they were <laughs> when they were going up against each other, and it's it's just it's brilliant. Uh, they, 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 you know, down to in, introduce character. They say, "Why? How is this happening? How are people voting for this guy?" Gets to the point that Mr. Garrison doesn't even want to be elected, and so he's going out to say the most offensive things that he can, and he just keeps getting more and more supporters. And they say there's a mass epidemic. People are eating these berries that are called member berries, and the member berries, if you listen to them, they are always going. Remember when ET was on TV? Remember when America was great? Remember when? And it's it's like this addiction of particularly older white men thinking that life was better 30 or 50 years ago and it's this mass addiction that's causing the problem underlying it all it's just it's layered and it's brilliant and uh, you know you still at the front of all that have Cartman being hilarious and offensive and it's I just love it just go and chuck yourself into it if you haven't yeah, I will. I feel bad that I don't watch more South Park. I know. Like I feel, and then, I feel and then guilty. You, yeah, and then you watch it and go, "Why am I not watching this?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to ask what 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 are your experiences of South Park? Because I watched it um, for about. I watched it when it when it first came out. Yeah, so when I like, must have been seventeen or eighteen, yeah, something ages, like that. Yeah, and at that point, it was like it was kind of shock humor. Yeah, um, and then. I remember the movie came out and I think I pretty much didn't watch it after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not, it. not because of anything, but it just, mm. uh, I, I think I, I can't remember it. Maybe when it wasn't on uh, an accessible time or something yeah. like that. I think part, but, partly it's, it's um, the satire is mostly based at American stuff. And if you lived in America, it would be this staple, wouldn't it? Which is why it's run for 22 series, I suppose. But, well, um, I, d- I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think uh, uh, I think it's it's pretty global, isn't it? It is global, but I, uh, I'm just saying I think it's easy for us to d- to lose interest in it because if it's a big Tom Cruise episode, that's great and stuff. But sometimes yeah. it's it's for satire to really connect with you, it's got to be kind of changing your life a bit, doesn't it? Or really answering questions that you see on the street every day. Um, Maybe. And I think now it's a lot more offensive than it was when it started out. Something they say in the documentaries when they they look back at the first couple of series and that was considered offensive then. What they're allowed to get away with now, because essentially they they tell Comedy Central if you if you're not happy with it, will go away. So when it came to the big, um, the Prophet Muhammad episode, which was the big controversial one, where they were going to screen a depiction of the Prophet Muhammad, um, that almost was a, they were going to leave Comedy Central as a result of it, and then they blurred him out or something. I think it was. Um, I remember when that was a big one. Speaking of animation, Rick and Morty, which is something that I still never have 
have oh. got my teeth into properly. What? Just that I always watch it Wait, too late. I thought you convinced I, me to watch it. No, it must have been, must have been me. Yeah, um, was you, not. Jamie? Well done, Jamie. I, yeah, I, 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 did, I did my best. It's just that my time to watch it is very late at night, and it's very, uh, it's very colourful, fast and loud. This is a bullshit argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. All right. Well, that's the only reason I can you think You find of. time to watch all kinds of shit. Not very <laughs> late, though. Not like... This is like my midnight watch. I like a good Robert Redford-directed film when Sarah goes to bed. You know, it's something that's... A good uh, the fugitive. Good lord! <laughs> just watch on a few. Just put on a few episodes of this. I'll try. I'll try. I'll, I keep trying. I'll keep trying. I promise. But it's coming. You have back. to get past because I started it and I didn't like it. Yeah. Or at least I just thought it wasn't very funny. Yeah. But then there is a there is a watershed moment about five or six episodes in where they um, basically drop any pretense that they are going to obey any kind of rules. Right. Okay. And they just say we can do anything okay and they do that uh in a great way that makes sense for the whole story and for the whole universe all right but then from then on it means that li- literally anything could happen and there would be a good reason for it i promise i'll try it's bad and some though. of it's just so fucking funny but it's it's just quickly really to go is. back to south park oh yeah i do think that like, I, i've seen a lot of trey parker and matt stone stuff hmm. and they are fantastic have you seen the book of mormon i haven't seen the book of mormon oh, i really man. want to I, it was just in manchester for the last few months and i went three times I, it's just about the most perfect piece of theater that you can see i it's flawless i can't i, I just i, I bow very very good things it. yeah it's incredible but I know, a colleague of mine used to talk about south park a lot and I mean, he fell into the trap of trying to describe too much of, of South Park, and I would always just be like, oh, I, I wish you weren't trying to tell me what happened in this episode yeah. of South Park. Cause it's, like, it's not like I'm going to hear you describe it and go, oh, my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do think it deserves more of everyone's time. I need to go back in and watch some, but there's a lot, isn't there? Now? Well, we all got tired with satire, didn't we? Like the satire disappeared from I our lives. I, I didn't get tired with it. I didn't stop watching it because I got tired of it. I just, mm. I can't think why I didn't, but it wasn't obviously right in front of me, I guess is the only reason I can think of. Yeah. Cause it's not that I've ever stopped liking it. I, I am not bored with frustrated by, or um, turned off in any way by South Park. It just, well, it, I, it wasn't there. I like what they've done on Netflix. Is it's not every episode ever. I don't think. I think it's just it's highlights. Enough. And um, but that last couple of series, if you go back to the to one before last on there, and just watch that whole one, I just think it's brilliant. It's just so good. And you get the long form. You get the sort of uh, you know movie told over ten episodes that we used to on Netflix. Now it's it's great. Really good, because it is exhausting. P- political stuff, stuff that makes you think, is a bit more tiring than, stu- than stuff that doesn't make you think. I think that's why we sort of move in and out of these things, perhaps. But when there's a long form plot and when it's following the same thing, it gets more cinematic. You start buying into the characters and their arcs a bit more. It sort of compensates for it, I think. Anyway. Goliath's back. Goliath series two. It's brilliant. Um, it's very big Lebowski. It's got a lot. It's very trippy. It's taken a turn, um, and there's some lovely cinematography. I often wonder how good that series would be without Billy Bob Thornton, 
I'm not sure. We don't have to talk much about yeah. this. Um, but have you? Has anyone else started the third series of that? No, I haven't. I don't know. I, I felt like the end of the last series. I didn't know if I felt like it needed to can- continue. But well, that one was odd. That was the guy masturbating over people with um, missing limbs and stuff, wasn't it? No, that was series oh, one. Great. Oh, that was that? No, no, that was series. Oh no, it was. Oh no, you're right. It was series two. Yeah. I mean, that that was that was pretty out there. This one um, is somewhere else. I mean, this one is like we start in the middle of the desert on a ranch, and it's it's really different. It's not based in LA. This one, it's 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 very good. It's very good. I I do want to go back. Like you said, I think Bill Billy Bob Thornton holds the piece because there is some there is some bits of it that. Not great, like it's a little, it's a little bit mediocre in places. But his character's sort of worth following, mm. and I think that's why it's worth sticking with. So yeah, there's that, and on Amazon as well, Sneaky Pete. I don't know if you two ah. ever bother with Sneaky Pete, no. but that's back on okay. uh, series three of that. And I love Sneaky Pete. I mean, it's 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 like a, it's a it, once again, it's not like brilliant at times, but it's Giovanni Ribisi plays this kind of con man who takes on another person's identity, and he kind of follows the shenan, you know the what happens with that and it's got Brian Cranston in the first series it's really good mm. it is really worth watching it's quite it's quite interesting uh, and I'm, I want to get back into that but as I, well, I remember so. you recommending this before and it was that you, you you say like it's really good like you think it's 80% good well yeah that's probably because I do like I don't mm. necessarily I, I, I recommend it but I'm not going to say you will I'm not sure you'll love it Matt and I'm not, I don't know, and with you, Howell, it's always 50-50, you know, you never know. <laughs> but um, but I, I still think it's a good show. I'm just not sure both of you are the audience for it. But the fact that you like Goliath, I think means you you probably will like Sneaky Pete, Howell. Okay. So you should go for that as well. Okay. Yeah, I don't think... I would I like to talk in... either of those. Oh, go on, I Jamie, like to... take it home. Take it home. In, in more the, next time we meet up, we haven't got time now, but I think it'd be good. I'd like to talk in more detail about Bob's Burger because we've been talking about how brilliant, how brilliant oh. South Park is. Bob's Burger is on Amazon now, every single series, and I want to talk in more detail about one of the most underrated animated comedies of the last ten to fifteen years. Can I, join, is this the one with the horse? Two weeks. No, that's Bojack Horseman. That's Bojack. Don't. It's it's better than Bojack. It's wow. the best thing that no one watches. All I right. guarantee you that. And this thing, I guarantee, I love one hundred percent. And well, we'll find let me out more. Tell you, let me just describe the sheer gulf in terms of how seriously I take um, a Howell recommendation and a Jamie Atherton recommendation. I thought we were going to make oh. it through one episode. <laughs> Without a massive insult, go on. When Jamie comes in here and he's got a he's got a bee in his bonnet about something, mm. let me tell you, mm. I'm going to watch that shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, so you know. Owl comes in here, so frothing off about <laughs> some other bullshit. Let me just uh, let me just delete QB one. Take... There we go. <laughs> um, Great, and also I found somebody else who really hates what's the face. So I'll get him on next week. He'll be surprised who it is. Who hates Meryl Streep? Yeah, yeah. Great, right. great. Okay. Um, well right. done. I mean, how long, how how much time did you devote to that search? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this someone you've met before, or did you meet him online? Yeah, you go met, to a you've met a Meryl Streep well. forum. Yeah, I went to an anti-Streep bring down Streep forum. What did she really know about Weinstein? 
that's the title of my book that I'm writing. Wow. Oh, right. God. Um, that is exactly the kind of unsophisticated satire that can really turn off an audience. <laughs> <laughs> As if she didn't know. They all bloody knew. Everyone knew about Jimmy Savile and everyone knew about everybody else. It's, uh, it's a load of rubbish when they say they didn't. How could they not? Just write it in your book, Howell, I'll and put it in, in the book. bin. Um, yeah. Well done. Hopefully we've um, helped you find, find, helped you find your next favourite box set. Thank you for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week. You can email us as ever, studio at theboxsetpod.com. What's your new favourite box set that we're missing out on? Studio at theboxsetpod.com. And good night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.